first song. We are so excited you are here this evening. Sunset AIM program, right? 
And so that'll give you a little bit of context to go through here. Uh, Piper Ditzler is our worship pastor at the Northwest Church, and she comes to us out of the Messianic Synagogue. And just to her right is Shauna, and Shauna is actually going to be our next worship pastor because Piper's moving to Alaska. And we're very depressed about that, but we're very excited about Shauna, and we welcome you guys. Colleen is married to Rusty, Rusty back there. They came to us during COVID, uh, seeking a non-political church experience, is how we say that. And uh, we have had a, just a blast getting to know them. Kind of a little bit out of the AG background, if that's fair. That's Assemblies of God, for those of you who don't know that. Uh, now, back over here, and I'm going to leave Katie to the last. We have a family of four, and there are other ones up there. Kylie, everybody raise your hand to Kylie. She's, she's the fifth up there. And then there's another one, but I don't know where he's at. Uh, but this is uh, Brian Thoman, and we have Chase Thoman, and Lucas Thoman, and Jenny Thoman. And they, uh, not the kids, but mom and dad, are Harding graduates. And so we welcome even Harding graduates to Pepper and Dance. Uh, so we're really glad about that. Uh, and then we have right here Katie. And Katie is a professional level dealist. That's fair enough to say. We all, am I right? Yeah. We all honor you. Uh, and her dad is a very uh, important person, pastor in the Methodist Church. And she came to us. And what's it? And I'm a I'm a CNC, CFC born and bred guy. And what I love about this is we are kind of the living restoration movement. People coming from all different backgrounds saying, "Let's just be Christians. Let's just have no creed but Christ, one book the Bible, and coming together to worship." And so tonight will be very different for some of you. And I want to uh, also just say one shout out. As you're leaving, uh, I have some flyers out there of an incredible ministry called the Cathedral Arts Ministry that I just want you to pick up and have some information. We live in historic times, and that is always the truth in one sense or another. But these most recent years will go down in history and be pondered by generations to come. People are living in a state of discomfort, sometimes a state of constant discomfort and unease. The distant nations are waging war. They're threatening the peace. The impoverished and the unprotected seem defenseless and beaten down. And people question, where is God? And people are questioning, is there really any God at all? Powerful armies can't understand their lack of victory, while the weaker nations have found a way to survive. We recently discovered in our house a leak behind our walls downstairs. And so it required the almost complete reconstruction of our bathroom downstairs. And the primary worker from that uh, project is from the Ukraine. His name is Vlad. And I was talking to Vlad uh, just a few weeks ago and asking him, uh, you know, where he is from. And he said, well, I, I've been over here for four years, but my dad is 30 minutes outside of Bekmoon. And he's a pastor. And he said, before the war broke out, they were averaging a couple hundred people on Sunday. He said, since the war broke out, he's averaging a thousand Believers every Sunday worshiping God. Yeah. He was so happy that I was a Christian. We talked quite a bit while he was there. Our times are not like unlike the times of the prophecy that we're going to be looking at in Isaiah chapter 40 through 42. God in these chapters is going to call the nations and the islands to come together. The nations, the established and known population centers of the world, and the islands, the people who live in the remote part, he's going to call them together to put himself on trial. And tonight, I'm going to be doing something I've been doing for a few years that people have just said, you should do more of that. 
And what it is, is um, a lot of preachers will take time to read scripture and they will memorize their sermon. And a few years ago, I began to ask the question, what if I flip that? What if I memorize the scripture and read the sermon? And began working on committing and recommitting to the memorization of scripture. I'll use some help cards, but what I want you to do is hear what was originally designed as the oral presentation of God's word to God's people. It's filled with feelings, expressions, and I'm going to take a lot of liberty to insert comments to help you understand transitions. And for those of you who are scholars in here, you will notice that I take some liberties with some of the Hebrew words that are hidden in there. And I'm choosing the preferred uh, interpretation that I like the best. So I'm just going to admit that right up front. This section is going to end with Isaiah calling people to sing a new song. That's in Isaiah 42, about 11 or 12. And we're not going to get to that far tonight, but I want you to know that. Mortality has been on my mind really for the last year. Uh, the Sunday before Pepperdine last year, I came down with COVID, a really bad case. That triggered a Bell's palsy case that lasted for about... Well, I'm still numb over here, and so if I spit on you, that's why it's not my fault. Um, and then six weeks ago, I ended up in the hospital with a pulmonary embolism. I didn't know what that was. It's a blood clot that goes into your lungs. It caused what's called a pulmonary infarction. It was very painful. I didn't know that could happen. In the last nine, ten days, we have been sitting by my mother-in-law's side, and she literally breathed her last coming to the end of a long journey with Alzheimer's. Isaiah is going to share with you God's word about that all flesh is like grass. All flesh beauty is like the flowers of the field, the grass withers and the flower fades. Surely all humans are like grass. My experience with mortality recently has helped me to really understand more and more that we need to remember who is eternal and who is not. We need to remember what really matters and what does not. Amen? Amen? So God is going to call together the islands and the nations, say, come together and meet. Why? To put God on trial and determine whether or not God's words are true. He calls them to come together to listen, come together to hear, come together to reflect on the great truth that you and I think mostly coming from Psalm 46. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots of fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. This evening we come together to hear a word from the Lord. Come to listen. Come to hear. And come to know that God is our God. Let's stand and sing a new song together.
and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice said to me, cry out, and I asked, what shall I cry out? Say this, that all flesh is like grass, and all beauty is like the flowers of the field. And the grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord, when the spirit of the Lord, when the ruach of the Lord blows over them. All flesh is grass, and the, the flesh and the grass wither and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord shall last forever. So go stand up on a high place, Zion, you herald of good news, and speak up without any fear. Oh, Jerusalem, you herald of good news, speak up and fear not, and say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, your God comes with his might, and he rules with his arm, and his reward comes with him, and his recompense, his promises, his blessings, his covenant, they come before him, and he will tend his flock like a shepherd, and he will take the lambs and gather them into his arms, and he will carry them, and he will lead gently those who have young. Let me ask you a question. Who has measured? The waters of the earth in the hollow of their hand. Who has taken the span of their hand and measured out the heavens? Who is it who has weighed out the mountains in the scales and the hills in the balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? And who, what man has shown God counsel? Who did God consult to gain understanding? Who taught him the path of justice. Who gave him the understanding to see the way of justice and understanding the nations? <laughs> the nations are but a drop in the bucket compared to our God. They're dust on the scales compared to our God. Our God who takes the coastlands, all of the beaches, and gathers them together in his arms. Lebanon. Lebanon with all of its cedar trees and all of the animals that live within those cedar trees and those forests, Lebanon would not have enough fuel or enough animals to make a burnt offering worthy for our Lord and our God. All of the nations compared to God before him, well, they're accounted by him as less than nothing. They are emptiness. To whom will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare him to an idol? Hmm. A craftsman casts it, a goldsmith inlays it with gold and casts it for silver chains to hold this idol, this God in place. A person who's too poor to buy an idol off the shelf will go find a piece of wood, hoping that it won't rot, and find a skilled craftsman to craft it, to hold it down so it won't fall over, so it won't be moved. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Have you not been told from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the world? It is our God who sits encircled above the earth. And from his vantage point, when he looks down, all the inhabitants of the earth are like grasshoppers compared to our God. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain, like a tent under which we dwell. He brings princes with all their pomp 
and their pride and their power to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted. Scarcely are they sown. Scarcely does their stem take root. But the breath of the Lord, the ruach of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord blows over them and they wither. And the wind blows them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Asks the Holy One of Israel. Lift up your eyes on high and see the cosmos. Who is it that created these things? Who is it who calls them out by number? Who calls them out by name and by the greatness of his might and because of the strength of his power? Not one of them. Not one of them is missing. If that is our God, pause the recitation. If that is our God, if that is God's power and God's might and God's caring, then God asks through Isaiah this question. Then why, O Jacob, do you say, and O Jerusalem, do you speak these words? My way, my path, my suffering is hidden from the Lord. And my right have been disregarded by my God. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and the one who has no strength, he increases their strength. Even young people faint and grow weary. Yes, even young men will be exhausted and pass out. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The word of the Lord. Amen and amen. amen. Now, these metaphors that we're going to see in Isaiah, it's just lit, laced in there in the Old Testament as well. All of these metaphors for who our God is. And one of the things that we've done with our worship team is taken songs that talk about these metaphors. One of them that we love is the lion, the tribe of Judah. We're going to be singing that song in Spanish in a minute. Another one is the idea of the ancient of days. I think the song that's more familiar to most of us in the room. So would you please stand? We're going to pray and then we're going to sing three songs together about the metaphors of who our God is. God, I pray tonight that as we lift up these songs as we lift up these scriptures, that you would be glorified and we would be drawn to your love and your power and your might in all that you are and who you call us to be. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's continue to worship.
and come before, let the nations, the populated sinners, the established people, let those nations come and renew their strength. Let the nations come forward and speak. Let us gather together in the place of judgment, in the cosmic courtroom. And let me begin my case, says the Holy One of Israel, by asking you this question. Who is it that is stirred up the one from the east? The king with his army by his nation that you're cowering underneath. Who by righteousness called him into service? Who turns over nations before him and subdues kings before him? Who with the sword reduces those nations and kingdoms to dust and with his bow reduces them to chaff? He pursues the kings and the kingdoms and he moves through them unscathed, mind you, on a path his feet have never traveled. Who has done this? Who has carried this out? who has called the generations from the very beginning, called them forth. I, the Lord, I, Yahweh, with the first of them and with the last of them, am the one who has done this. The islands see it and they fear. The edges of the earth tremble. They, they approach and they come forward and they encourage one another saying, be strong. The metal worker who is shaping the idols the metal worker encourages the goldsmith, the one who smooths out the, the, the metal with the hammer, spurs on the one who strikes the anvil. One of them says about the welding, oh, that's a good weld, while another one grabs a nail that he has, and he takes and mounts the idol so that this god will not topple. But you, Israel, my servant, you, Jacob, descendant of Abraham, my friend, I called you from the corners of the earth. I called you from the farthest corners, and I said to you, you are my servant. You are my chosen. I will not reject you. So do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you, and I will protect you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will be ashamed and dismayed. Those who oppose you will be reduced to nothing, and they will perish. You will look for your enemies, and you won't even be able to find any. And if anyone would dare wage war against you, they will become as less than nothing. For I, the Lord your God, takes hold of your right hand. And I say to you, do not fear. I will help you. Do not be afraid, Jacob. Jacob, even though you consider yourself as nothing more than a worm, you consider yourself as nothing more than a little Israel, I will help you. I myself will help you. I am the Lord Yahweh, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. See, I am making you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp with many teeth. And you will thresh the mountain and crush them to nothing. You will reduce the hills down to nothing except for windblown chaff. You will winnow them up like with a winnowing fork, and the wind will catch them, and a gale will carry them off. But not you. No. You will rejoice in the Lord, and you will glory in the Holy One of Israel. 
Now, why is God doing this little break from the recitation here? Why is God saying through Isaiah these things? It's really important. And it's a metaphor. You remember when Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you drink of the water, I give you what? You will never thirst again. It's a metaphor, right? Now listen to what Isaiah does here, or God does through Isaiah. The poor and the needy, nations and island people, the poor and the needy search for water. Their tongues are parched with thirst. It's a metaphor. The poor and the needy search for justice. They find none. The poor and the needy search for mercy. And no one grants it. The poor and the needy search for water, but there is none. But I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow in the barren high places. And I will make springs bubble up in the valleys. That will preach in California right now, by the way. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched land into bubbling springs. I will put in the desert the cedar tree. And the acacia tree and the myrtle tree and the olive tree. I will take the juniper and put the juniper in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together so that everyone may see and know so that they may understand and consider this, that the hand of the Lord has done this, that the Holy One of Israel has created it. So, God might say this at this juncture, the prosecution rests for just a moment but reserves the right to take back the courtroom and says to the idol king's word present your case says the lord set forth your arguments says the king of jacob tell us you idols tell us what's going to happen or tell us about the former things so we may consider their final outcome why don't you tell us what is to come why don't you tell us about the future so that we will know that you are actually gods Say it is something good, say something bad, make us fear, make us feel with dismay. Oh, but you can't. Because you are less than nothing. And your works are utterly worthless. Whoever chooses you idols over a living God is disgusting. The trial of God before the nations. When we think about these words, the fear the redemption, the power, the shepherd that takes the sheep. We are called to remember the holiness and the majesty of our God and to put our faith in none other than the Almighty. Amen? No other place but the Almighty. You and I don't go and buy idols and put them on a shelf. But we definitely have we worship the dollar, yes? We worship power. We worship influence. We worship even politicians sometimes. These are all idols. And anyone who would choose these idols over a living God is detestable before the Lord. Right? So in our allegiance, God calls us into that same courtroom to remind us what is to come in the next section of the scripture. God is sending someone else. We're going to sing two more songs here, and one of them is this first one, and it's called My Hallelujah. Now I know it's the end of the day, and you guys are probably a little bit tired, but we have a tradition in church. We always stand to sing, amen? All right, so let's stand. We're going to sing a couple more songs.
trying to communicate, or God's trying to communicate to his people through Isaiah. So he picks up in the courtroom, and now he says, I am stirring up another, not like the one from the east. I'm stirring up another one from the north, and he comes. For the rising sun, and this one calls on my name. He treads on the rulers as if they were mortar, like a potter who digs down below the surface of the earth and gets to the clay that's just below and begins to tread on it for it to become soft and malleable and usable. Who told us of this from the beginning so that we could look and say, ah, he was right. You idols? Did you tell us? No one told us about this. No one heard any words from you. I was the first, the Holy One of Israel, to tell Zion, look, here they are. I gave to Jerusalem a messenger of good news. I looked, but no one is there. No one among the gods who could tell this. No one who could give counsel about it. See, they are all false, these idols, these things you worship. These deeds amount to nothing in their images. Their images are nothing but wind and confusion. But here is my servant. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out. He will not raise his voice in the streets. A broken reed, even, even a broken reed that's so tender it can snap apart. A broken reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick, when he speaks, his breath will not blow out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice, and he will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice in this land. In his teachings, the islands, the distant people, they will hear those teachings, and in those teachings, they will put their hope. This is what the Lord God says, the creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads the earth and all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, I, Yahweh, have called you in righteousness, and listen to it, church, I have called you in righteousness, and I will take your and I will make you among the people a covenant, a light unto the Gentiles for the people to open the eyes that are blind. And some of you are now beginning to remember that Jesus quotes this in Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19 as his mission statement, as his purpose statement. A light to the Gentiles to open the eyes that are blind, to free the captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in the darkness. I am Yahweh. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another, and I will not yield my praise to idols. And right after he says that, he says, sing to the Lord a new song. Church, over these last two years, I have seen the kingdom of God and the churches in the kingdom begin to think like Jacob. Nothing more than a woman. We are in decline. But one thing I know is that God's kingdom at all times stands. That God's kingdom at all times outlasts any other nation. And we are called to be the light. One of my favorite songs that this team has introduced to me is a song called Let There Be Light. It will be how we close this evening. Would you please stand up and pray and then we'll sing the song tonight. God and Father, I pray that you would help us to hear the words of your words through Isaiah the prophet, that we may be your people, that we may have your strength, that you will uphold us, that you will uphold
Father to do that, and he will not yield to any. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's take the students from the